And I would say there is also a faction, and this is just, again, my observations. There's a faction of people who are wary, maybe somewhat optimistic, but they're wary. And I would say that's characterized by Moprim Shakur, Tupac's brother, who basically says, get some popcorn out which basically means let's watch how this develops. Let's see what happens next. Well, I, I can get that too, because this is still pretty fluid here. You know, we don't know how it's going to, what the end result's going to be out of what's been done recently. So yeah, I, I understand his statement, but at this point I would, be a little more positive towards what's going on than negative. Vilified, deified. It's hard to find anyone apathetic about rapper and actor Tupac Shakur. By the time of his passing, September 13th, 1996, he'd sold millions of records. In death, the prolific musical artist would sell millions more. 27 years ago, it was clear to me how influential Tupac was, and I went in hard and scored several exclusives. I was the first reporter to get the now infamous video at the MGM Grand, the first to get the search warrant affidavit that pointed to Orlando Anderson, and Keefe D for that matter, as being responsible for Tupac's murder. I was also the first and only reporter to get interviews with the original team of Las Vegas Metro investigators. 27 years later, once again, an exclusive. I exclusively interview now-retired Las Vegas homicide detective Brent Becker. Nothing is off the table. I'm Lennon Ozizwe reporting. Tupac's murder was his case. The arrest. And a quick warning, if you've listened to Tupac's songs, then you won't be rattled by a sprinkling of strong language. I never met Keefe D, and I'll always call him Keefe D, not his government name. The closest I ever got meeting Keefe was meeting Orlando Anderson, his nephew. But even that was brief. We were set up to do an interview at his lawyer's office, and he showed up. I'd hired a photographer and sound man who came up from San Diego to L.A., and they were standing by. Orlando arrived and politely said the interview was a no-go. And we had to go home with nothing, although I managed to cobble together a story that day. Orlando, a.k.a. Baby Lane, would die in a shootout in Compton in 1998 that by all accounts was unrelated to Tupac's murder. So many years later, his uncle Keefe publicly put the gun in Orlando's hands, literally, on that fateful night, September 7th, 1996. But no arrests in the case that Brent Becker was pulled into that night. Until now. One of the things that I hear on the streets or in social media very much is, oh, Finally, somebody came along who cared about the case. Uh, I don't. That's bullshit. <laughs> okay. I'll just say it. It's bullshit. We cared about the case. The problem is 
anybody involved in the case didn't give a shit about it. Okay. We talked to multiple people. Nobody gave a damn about anything. Nobody said anything. So, you know, the person that can sit back an armchair quarter like back like that is a chicken shit. That's clear and simple. They don't know what they're talking about. And I don't really give a shit what they say. They're just, you, big, they're just a big mouth and a coward because they had nothing to do with it. How, how do you really feel? Yeah. You, you get me riled when you say I didn't care. First of all, none of these knuckleheads knew who I was, who Mike were. They get to sit over in their little chair somewhere and talk shit or smack about somebody. Because they have nothing to do with anything. They have nothing to contribute to it. And that's part of the reason we didn't talk to a lot of people because it wasn't going to contribute to the cause of trying to solve the case. So that's enough said about that. I, I could probably go on forever on. Well, I will say, like and I, you know, I just, that popped up. It wasn't even on my list of questions, but it, it definitely in looking at social media, you get different responses to this. I see people who are happy and they're like, at last, finally, there's going to be justice. And as I said, some of them also say, well, finally, there's somebody who cared and he's our hero. And again, I'm just telling you what I'm yeah. No, that's fine. And I'm glad Cliff Mogg's a hero for it. Uh, that, hear, that's great. Let him... I hear other people saying that's a big lie, that Keefe didn't do it, that when there was a, the original confession that the detective involved put words in his mouth and it's just a big joke and it's part of Popo or Five O just lying uh, their badonkadonks off. So again, I'm just telling you, yeah. this is what I'm hearing. And I don't know what the confession from Keepy D, since I wasn't there, I can't make any comment about what was said. But the point is, are these people that are saying this also the same people that believe Tupac's alive? Well, I was getting to that. There's also that faction of people who believe it's all smoke and mirrors because they believe Tupac is still alive. Well, they all live in a dreamland or a fantasy world, and I'm happy they, they like to live that way. But the reality is Tupac Shakur was murdered. He's been dead since 19, well, September 13th, 1996. And that's the end of that story. And I would say there is also a faction, and this is just, again, my observations. There's a faction of people who are wary, maybe somewhat optimistic, but they're wary. And I would say that's characterized by Mo Prem Shakur, Tupac's brother, who basically says, get some popcorn out which basically means let's watch how this develops. Let's see what happens next. Well, I, I can get that too, because this is still pretty fluid here. You know, 
we don't know how it's going to, what the end result's going to be out of what's been done recently. So, yeah, I, I understand his statement, but at this point, I would be a little more positive towards what's going on than negative because, yeah, it's been a very long time. Right. I think the 27 years um, increases the wariness. Like, Certainly, because when they, is it going to ever happen? Yeah, they're going. They, the family, everybody's been. You know, I say the family, the fans. As far as I'm concerned, you know, those are just a sideshow. It's the fan. It's the family that's the ones that is more important in in the big picture. Uh, yeah, it's been a long time. Uh, obviously, Keefe D's confession's been around for a long time, from what I've learned. And so be it. I think that the one thing that came out in the press conference that I remember was they decided they were going to run with what they got because it was probably their last best shot to get this thing going. Right. And that is not an unusual statement. I can think of a couple of murders that we worked where we never got it to go to a grand jury. We know who did it. We think we got enough, but guess what? The police department does not decide what case is going to get prosecuted. The district attorney's office does. And as we spoke in previous episodes, you never went to the DA at any point because you never felt that there was enough. No. Okay, so I'm trying to figure out what this is. There's standard. I'll say another thing that I'm hearing is a real sense of earnestness in, in folks saying, is he really, is he really going to, caught is will he really stay in jail he won't get out on bail is this really gonna happen again that really goes to the wariness of it but there's a real concern and a real interest in the legal process more than i've ever heard before but there's just this strong feeling is this is this sort of is this real yeah well, and it's been a long time, so I, I get that. Uh, my, I'm just giving you my opinion because I don't know anything about what's going on there. But you've at that press conference, you've got the sheriff, you've got the lieutenant in the homicide section, you got Cliff Mogg, and you've got the district attorney. The district attorney, by him being there, is showing an interest in this to me. Is that not usual? Well, they are. They are, but I think, like I said, I'm only going by what I remember of Steve Wolfson. And, and that, and means... when he would, because he wasn't the district attorney when I was in homicide. But from what I knew of him as a defense attorney and what I've seen of him since, if he takes an, especially when he has an interest in it. But you also got to remember the DA that was doing this case was Mark DiGiacomo. And Mark DiGiacomo the was... The ADA. 
yeah, whatever his title is. Mark DiGiacomo was an, an attorney for the district attorney's office when I was there. And he was thought very highly of then. So you're talking a long time ago. And that's just Mark DiGiacomo. They've got a bunch of good attorneys over there. They've had a bunch of good attorneys over there. But the fact that you had Mark DiGiacomo assigned to the case, to me, makes a statement. Well, and that's another sentiment that I'm hearing that, you know, I did mention some folks say, well, now we got a detective who really cares. I'm also yeah. hearing folks saying, well, now we have a sheriff who really cares. And now there's a DA who really cares. That, well, I'll just say that's all bullshit. That has nothing to do with nothing. I would hope that the sheriff the DA assigned to the case, the, the attorney assigned to the case, and Steve Wilson, the district attorney, I would hope they wouldn't say that in that way. I'm saying I'm hearing this more on the social media streets. Right, right. And those people don't know their ass from a hole in the ground, so it doesn't really matter. That's, that's my point of view on it. I says... There's no more interest in the current from the current people than there were back when I was there. There was extreme interest. The difference was you didn't have a knucklehead decide to give a confession and do a book and everything back then. When did he do that? That's when everything, that's when things started to happen a little bit more as far as things coming out prior to that you didn't have anybody saying anything well except on youtube well youtube is social media i have a different no. view of social media than people today but you got to remember i grew up when there weren't computers so right but I, i'm not a i'm not a big fan of social media because i see a lot of crap on there and people believe it that's the interesting thing indeed but what I'm saying is that social media provided a platform for witnesses to speak who never spoke to you. Yes and no. Uh, in some cases. In some cases. There are people that talk like they were witnesses that weren't, though, also. But it is easy for people to sit in front of... It's funny. I've seen it over the decades. Once they started doing this TV stuff, you put a camera in front of somebody's face, there's all of a sudden Joe Hollywood. They got all well, kinds of things to say and do. And some of them are paid to, to... Well, man, a lot of people get paid to do stuff. Like I said, social media, TV news, it gives people, a, especially certain people a soapbox to get on that maybe other people don't have the opportunity to do. So it's possible though, 27 years ago, I mean, you may not like social media, but it might've loosened up some lips. It might have, it might very well have. Of course, 27 years ago, if Keefe D had gotten himself in trouble to where he needed to cut a deal, because think about it, 
I'm surprised people don't say it. Literally, Keefe D was a snitch. <laughs> Simple as that. He cut a deal to get out of jail time. He was a snitch. And he has said that he saved other people by snitching. He yeah, well, and I don't know. I don't know anything about all that. I'm and just like, giving you this perspective from what right. I've read that he actually saved people and he might argue since everybody else was in the car is dead then it was a good snitch well my thought is if everybody in the car is dead and you're the lone ranger why do you even want to say anything because you don't want to go to prison for drug charges i would think well then someone misguided him as far as what could possibly happen out of him talking like that. In terms of guidance, it's my understanding, and I didn't read it yesterday, he was told he shouldn't consult with an attorney. Or I'm trying to remember if he was told he shouldn't consult with an attorney because I'm trying to remember, because I've read so many books, that he was in an office uh, and actually, I wanted to get to it later, but heck, let's get to it now. In talking about that confession that predated Keefe's book confession, it was a proffer so he could indeed get out of drug charges, or at least for the time being. That's the way I understood it. Is it normal to record a proffer agreement? without telling the person that you're having the agreement with that you're recording? As far as I know, you don't have to necessarily tell anybody you're recording. Uh, I don't know all the particulars to when this happened. Sure. First of all, if I'm going to, if I'm in his position, giving a statement, I would sure like to have some legal advice. Right. Simple and... as that. I mean, to walk in, and that's why we used to say, thank God for stupid criminals, to walk in and start letting loose with everything that you've been involved with without consulting an attorney and I'm sure most attorneys will agree with me. That's that's not wise. You know, I mean, as when I was a detective, did we like it? Absolutely. It made our life a lot easier as far as the case goes. Well, that's just like if Suge Knight would have come in that day with his three attorneys and told everything he knew. That would have been great, but he didn't. Right. And I suspect, I could never prove it, I would suspect that at least one of them attorneys knew what he was going to be saying and then had uh, kind of walked him through how to do it. And when I interviewed him in jail, there was no attorney and he, he did point the finger to Orlando Anderson, Keefe's nephew. So there's that. Yeah. But yeah. I, I also wanted to ask you, and again, 
Well, one last thing about uh, Keefe, which you know I wanted to talk about later, but since we're here, <clears throat> I was told because you know during previous episodes of the podcast we went back and forth like why would he do it why would why would you do it well why what it just seemed unfathomable in terms of the book and the appearances on television and social media and the answer that i have received from somebody who has is well connected is that he thought he could make it another straight out of Compton, that it could be a movie, that it could blow up. That's why he did it. So but there was financial gain to it. Fame and fortune. Yeah, well. That's, that was his if belief. That's how he, if that's how he looked at it, shame on him. Well. Be because realize you can do fame and fortune and not be telling the truth or tell things that can be proven. In this case, he said things that fall in line with what, what happened. Now, and if there was some coaching during that interview, I don't know. And again, since we're in this mode, my take is because they really did focus in the news conference about his interviews and the book, which of course you and I talked about at great length mm -hmm. during the podcast, but it would seem that they needed something else because as I said previously, if you wanted the book, you could go on Amazon, but they found something that is what they seem to say that was that would corroborate the confession. Well, to, and to what came we don't search. know. We don't know what they found at the search warrant. Right, but it we would seem you don't know what was on those flash drives, or right, if there were any handwritten notes or anything like that. Yeah, I agree with you as far as the confession of the book. You know, well, they they've got that. I'm not going to sit here and speculate what the police department has, but they must have, you would hope they have something to help them with it instead of just going based on that. Well, that was, that statement was made explicitly during the news conference. Yeah. Well, they did I, get something. that's good because, <laughs> and then that's bad for KVD 27 years, keeping stuff like that. But, that goes back to my earlier statement about criminals. So, News Aid in Las Vegas has said that gang affiliates, friends of Shakur, and retired detectives testified in front of that grand jury. And I'm just wondering, because obviously you think about who could have potentially testified, First of all, I want to cross you off the list. You're a retired detective, but just to put a button on it, you did not testify in front of the grand jury. No. I know it's secret, but at this nope. point, in terms of gang affiliates, can you think of who potentially would have testified? We both thought of the potential of Suge Knight, 
who I, really I have no idea about any of that. Uh, but just being looking at the pool of people you interviewed. Well, I don't know. I, I really don't know. You know, to me, the only reason I say this about Suge Knight is typically anytime he's ever talked, it was to his benefit. Qui, qui bono is the, yeah. the operative no, phrase who no. benefits that I like to throw around. So now I don't know who they subpoenaed. I wasn't part of the grand jury, grand jury investigative process. Understood. So, so they, there's all, I guess there's all kinds of people they could have tried to talk to be they gang members or associates or whatever from that night. It'd have to be one of them that's still alive because the death list is quite extensive from that night. Okay. As I said, I just wondered what your, because to me, other than Suge, and I also thought of potentially of the friend who was with Orlando when he was shot and he's in prison as well, that there was the potential. I want to get into some of the witness statements because again, what I'm seeing pretty consistently and getting questions about from listeners uh, to the podcast is about that night, the night you went out for Tupac's shooting. It'd be easier for me to answer probably some of those questions if I remember them. Pardon? I says it would be easier for me to answer some of those if they're related to that, something that I was involved with, as long sure. as I remember it all. Understood. But as I said, the reason I was asking you about the, the gang affiliates and just the potential, and I understand it's speculation, is because you... in. I guess my part of my question is, were the people who, and we'll find out at some point, I'm sure, but I inquiring minds want to know, were the people part of the pool that you interviewed, tried to interview previously, or the possibility is that they may be more straight out of Compton? So anyway, as I said, well, I and who knows who knows who Orlando talked to? Exactly. And that's why I thought his friend, Neil Darrow, if, if memory serves, uh, well, he was that, the one who was with him when he was him. killed. Yeah. And it's just like Keefe D. I mean, if he's going public with everything, you can bet he probably told other people about it. Right. And, you know, maybe there was somebody that he talked to. And they can come in and say, basically shore up what he's in the confession saying he's told them that about it. You know, granted, it's hearsay, but it's still something they can use. And certainly in Keefe's book, he talks about people who snitched on him. So. Oh, I don't doubt that. No, I mean, Keith, there's, I'm no just honor, saying, there's, no, there's no honor amongst thieves, believe right, me. But he, he talks about people who snitched on him. So the possibility that, and and these are people in his inner circle, so it's quite possible those people in his inner circles heard tales as well. Yeah. So I'm just saying, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that I know. 
anything, yeah. but I'm just trying to figure out the pool from which these gang affiliate witnesses came because when Tim Brennan, who was the gang detective in Compton, put together that affidavit, it was with CRIs, confidential, reliable informants who did not identify themselves versus 27 years later, and there are gang affiliates going into the grand jury. So what does that say? Yeah, and 27 years later, what are the chances that those CRIs are alive? And maybe one or, or two <laughs> or three or how many testified in front of the could grand could jury? Could have, they would have. That means they would have had to have gotten that information from somebody in the know. Correct. So again, as I said, it's just maybe you can call it speculation, but just being realistic about the witness, the potential gang affiliated witness pool and where they would have come from. Well, so, if this, if this uh, goes to trial, I would suspect you're going to have some, you'll see some of the witnesses. And stopping you there. And that's, this has been another question. Do you think it's going to go to trial? I look at it. Here's the way I look at it. I, it would not surprise me if it got negotiated. And then when I say negotiated, meaning he's let go. No, I'm just saying. Cop a plea. There, there's some sort of an agreement, a cop a plea, whatever you want to call it. Uh, be, and because if you do a trial and, and they could, I don't, I don't, I have no idea who they've got that they've been talking to. So, but you do, I mean, it's common sense. So many people are dead from this thing. They're out of the picture and I'm sure any attorney worth his salt is going to tell you that 27 years memories fade or aren't very good. I mean, I know mine isn't always. And in fact, I think Chip Siegel even made a comment about that, didn't he? About memories. Yes. Right. So I don't know. Uh, I, I have no idea how they're going to proceed on this. Like I said, think, I, don't, but I, don't know you I don't know what kind of evidence they've got. You know, they've got something. They've got him indicted. So now it's just going to be a matter of everybody's going to sit and wait. And keep in mind, an indictment, you could get something going here pretty quick, or it could be a very long time before anything goes. There could be all kinds of back and forth stuff going on. Because if Keefe D doesn't have an attorney yet, I'm surprised. I've also heard the point of view that the DA, LVMPD, wouldn't have come this far, made that big announcement if they didn't have enough to go to trial and convict. Yes, you, you don't typically indict someone 
on a roll of the dice and hope they cop a plea. You, you, if you indict someone, it's because you want it to be ready for court. And I'm not saying it's not ready for court. I'm just saying that it, it, it's going to depend on the powers that be that are involved in this. Maybe Keefe D just saying, let's go to court. He doesn't care. Because remember, ultimately, he's the one that's got to take the deal. If there is one, there may not be one. They may just say, we're going to trial and, and good for them. I hope, I hope they can fry them for, well, when I say fry them, I mean, put them in prison. I don't necessarily mean death penalty, but. Funny that you should bring that up because that's another question. And if you would be so kind, and I know it's a, you're a busy man and. I'm glad I have been able to, to speak to you. I would like to do another questions episode because I'm getting a lot of questions. But one question that came in, and I hope you'll say yes uh, when you're available. But one question was about the possibility of the death penalty. And I gave my two cents, but I'd like to get you to give your many I'm, more I'm not going to speculate on that. Here's what you'll know when it ha if it happens, because that'll be the district attorney's office making that determination. If they, if they have an inkling to do a death penalty case, because the powers that be all the top dogs over in the district attorney's office would sit down. They have a group. It's like, I'll call it like a death penalty review board. You know, it's a group of people. They're going to sit down and talk about what they got. And if this thing, one, if it qualifies under the statutes, and two, could they successfully prosecute it as such? You know, there's a, there's a bunch of things that come into play here. And I'm certainly not the one that can tell you. I'm sure that you can get somebody to tell you. <laughs> whether right. it's true or not, but, but no, yeah. I'm just saying these uh, are it, listeners asking, is it, is it possible? And I guess anything's possible. I don't know. It would depend on what evidence they have. And my thought based simply on looking at other cases over the years is that because it's so old that, and because, you know, we don't know exactly who the witnesses are, but you have to think, you know, as we've said, a lot of witnesses have passed away, that it would be unlikely. But again, I'm saying that just based on my experience covering other cases and just seeing other, other cases. You know, I'm trying to think of cases that are very old that have gone to death penalty throughout the country. I, I, I'm just not thinking of many right now, but then that doesn't mean there aren't, and I just don't remember. But because, you know, they've arrested some people for some very old murders. Right. Serial thanks, killers. Thanks, thanks to this new ancestry or family right. stuff. 
And obviously, DNA has progressed <laughs> Exponentially. tremendously from when I, I was in there. And, uh, you know, that that's just going to come down to who they have, what they have. Uh, quite obviously, the other three folks in the car aren't going to be there to say anything unless someone has some mystery tape recording of what they said and can get it admitted. Uh, I don't know. Right. And again, it, it's a question that came from sure. a listener. And I just, since we're talking, I do want to get another analysis, a legal analysis, you know, sure. be a defense attorney as well. But I just wondered what your take was. And then a, a defense attorney would be a far better because they're the ones that are going to be stepping up there. Right. Now, and we're talking about a defense attorney who is taking this case for whatever reason. Because I'm here to tell you, there are attorneys that will take cases just because of the notoriety. Well, I became familiar with that when I covered the civil case with OJ Simpson. So everybody yeah. knows, well, put it this way. Everybody that has half a brain into the system knows it. Again, talking of uh, social media, the, the nonsense that gets thrown out there. I just laugh at half the stuff that comes out of there because people don't know what's talking about. But they speculate or they tell them things they think people want to hear. Or they believe things that they hear that aren't anywhere near the truth. Right. Well, And I think in this case, it was just an, it's part of that sector that's very earnest sure who I, they just say well what can happen and what's in a you know people are asking what's really an arraignment it's people are really interested in the whole process and he has has he had an arraignment no that's not coming up till the fourth okay well it's so, coming up october 4th correct yeah because he was indicted on the 28th, 29th 29th 29, 31, okay. Yeah. So that's where your, how Keefe D pleads in that arraignment will be. It'll be interesting there. Well, what are you going to be looking for? Because I've said. Well, I'm not looking for anything. I just, you know, when you tell me something or some, someone will send me a message because it's not like I watch the news or anything anyhow. Right. I'm saying what might you be looking for? Because you know well, that I'm going to send you a, a I'll link. be I'll be shocked if he doesn't plead not guilty. Right. I've said that. Even, well. even though he's made the comments. And he should have an attorney at arraignment. So. And as, and as Chip Siegel said, even with everything, and we, although we don't know what was taken via the search warrant but he was saying it's still possible to wage a defense well yeah depending on how how they're going to proceed and what keefe d is telling them because i have no idea what's being said between him and his attorney he's i, 
I'd be shocked if he doesn't have an attorney let, unless he's just getting a court appointed attorney. There's speculation about that too. Because if he gets a court appointed attorney, one would hope because of the profile of this case, that court appointed attorney has got more than a couple hours to have some knowledge of it. But you got to remember an arraignment. All that is is an arraignment. And you say guilty, not, not, not guilt, guilty. not guilt. If you say guilty, uh, I can't think of many guilty people that ever said guilty at right. arraignment. But I mean, because it just gives you time. It gives you time to prepare and to dig and. Who knows discovery. what discovery? Yeah, what they well, they got to get discovery eventually. They're going to get discovery on what the prosecution has, and then they'll go from there. Now, if they're going to go through, well, I would assume they're going to go through discovery from back in September seventh, all the way to now. And if it is, it's going to take an attorney some time to go through it. And, you know, the, the I'm hearing, is there going to be a trial? Will there be a trial for sure? And, you know, it's possible for the defense attorney to present motions that would say there shouldn't be a trial for this reason or whatever. Well, sure. They're going to, you can have someone walk in and we make a motion to dismiss on whatever basis, you know, and I have no idea what that is. Because you had a grand jury, you aren't going to have a, you shouldn't have a preliminary hearing. Right. It's going that to be, you're going to have the arraignment. He's going to plead guilty or not guilty. And if he pleads not guilty, then you're going, you're starting the process because they'll, they'll set some sort of a date for that. And it should be in district court in Las Vegas. Clark County. Yeah. And then, uh, because I, I don't know how they do it today where they, you know, assign it to a judge. They I, don't have. Even, I, I don't even know how many district courts they have in Las Vegas anymore. Uh, but someone's going to get it. And, but I just, I just can't see where you're going to have a court date, uh, a, a trial date that quick. It's going to take time if, especially with the not guilty plea for the defense to get prepared. But my understanding is he'll have an opportunity. And I actually covered a case in the Clark County courthouse. I can't even remember what it was. It wasn't Tupac, obviously, but I covered some case there, but you know, then he'll have an opportunity to, to say whether he wants a speedy trial or not. And sure. generally speaking, for most defendants, they don't want a speedy trial. As And why would he want a speedy trial after 27 years? Well, that's just it. You know, I, I'm thinking, granted, he doesn't want to sit in jail forever sure. either. Because from what I understand, it's no bail right now, correct? Correct. Now, and keep in mind, that can come up, too, as far as setting a bail they can they can change that but 
that'll be up to the courts with whatever arguments are presented. Right. And just not as an expert, I would think that would be very unlikely. You would think, but who knows? <laughs> exactly. Uh, who knows? But I'm just saying odds are, and I rarely gamble, not in Vegas, not in Monte Carlo, not in Zimbabwe. But if I were a gambling person, I would say the no bail was going to continue. So, well, I did want to get to, uh, and, and I, as I said, I, I appreciate your time. In the next chunk, as we cut off into the sunset, I did want to go over your witness statement because you were the one who was actually out there the night this happened. You're not looking at it through a bunch of files that somebody else has created. You were there. And I've also seen a lot of speculation and getting a lot of questions directly about that night and what witnesses said. And this, we've talked about it before, but this arrest has really stirred it up again. So I really wanted to go back into that. And mm -hmm. as you said, you're especially comfortable talking about that because you were there. You actually were questioning people, including Yafu Fula, who I remember 27 years ago talking about him and what you said. But in looking through the witness statement that you took, these are the things that struck me that he was a witness who didn't claim, I mean, there are certainly some things that we talked about previously that he may have not come clean about during that interview. Correct. But there were other things that he was very, it just really seemed to me, he's like, I'm not sure about that, but I'm sure about this. He yeah, said, I, sure I it seem to remember right that. Yeah. Pardon? Seem to remember him, and uh, you know, there were there were things that piqued my interest, and then there were things that he either isn't wanting to tell, or, or he truly just didn't know. Right, he said he was certain it was a white Cadillac, because I yeah. know at some point there wasn't it wasn't clear what the vehicle was, but he's clear about that. He's clear about saying there were four people in the car. Yes. Four black people in the car. But he says it was hard to tell where the shooting was coming from, but he thought it was the front window. Yeah, I think he was the only one that said something about the front window. But you got to... You know, and he was in the front passenger seat, if I remember right, of Frank Alexander's car. He would have potentially had the best view because he was right behind the BMW. That, and I don't know if they had their windows rolled down or not. I don't remember. You know, the about the only obstruction he might have would be the, the post, you know, for the front windshield. And keep in mind, these guys probably weren't driving down the street expecting this to happen. Right. So this is all happening 
kind of abruptly and and it's startling them and catching them by surprise you know sure now they're looking how many are doing a little duck and dodge i don't know but yafu fula probably said more than i expected him to say when you consider what came out of other people's mouths that night Right. And in fact, Frank Alexander admitted it later on that he lied at the interview. So, well, yeah, you, I remember you telling me 27 years ago that Yahoo Fula was the best witness you had. He was the one guy, it was the one guy that said something about possibly identifying somebody, and that would have been the driver. Right. Not, and I wanted- not anybody in the backseat. Not anybody in the front passenger seat, the driver. An excellent point because there has been a lot of discussion as well that seems to mistake the driver ID for the shooter ID. I think, and again, you can probably thank things that have been put out on social media because everybody in social media seems to know everything about what happened for whatever reason. Uh, you know, all I can say is Yafu Fula said he thought he knew the driver. Now, there was... He didn't know him, but he could, he could ID him. Early on in our when we talked in a podcast about that term bitch face. Right. But what I think you mentioned you've got as what bitch face meant and what he said are two different things. Well, I'll just say this, that I remember distinctly you saying that 27 years ago. You oh, yeah. Because I was I, at the time I was like, What's a bitch <laughs> Well, yeah, and he that. said that, and I think I asked him what he meant by it, and he says it on there. And and what I think you put out is some sort of a particular look that someone gave you, where in his case, he just meant it's that feminine. the person had kind of a, I don't want to say fair skin, but his face was like a baby or face or younger face or something like that. Well, feminine. Oh, because that's what feminine, I thought. Feminine, I, I feminine wasn't thinking face. resting okay. bitch yeah, face. Yeah. I, wasn't, yeah. I wasn't thinking resting bitch face, but I'm saying, because that's a fairly, that term came out later, but that was the first time in my life I'd heard somebody described as having a bitch face. And it took me a few, I was like, what does that mean? Well, <laughs> if I remember right again, when he made that comment, that was something we kind of keyed on because I think that comment had a lot of bearing on the pin register we were trying to get. And explain and, that and, again, and would you? This wasn't a wiretap in the sense of, you know, you hear about people listening in on phone conversations when they pick up the phone, they're recording the conversation. All A pin register was more of uh, linking into a phone and tracking it and such. 
because I'm trying to remember if we were dealing with a cell phone. I just don't remember. Uh, but we had a location and that's the deal where we had it all set to go do. And then it ended up in the paper. And I know you haven't been able to find it. Right. I did. Look My guess is if you could get into the case file, it would be a copy of the newspaper clipping because that was something we did back then. Anything that we were aware of that was put in a media clipping, we a newspaper story, we'd cut it out and add it to the case file. If only you'd taken home your case file. Yeah, well, yeah. I guess I'm the oddball in the bunny. Well, I know Mike isn't one to do it either, so I don't know many people that did, but so explain how that connects to the to the driver well, the, that yeah uh, the, the person we were looking and I can't remember his name to save my soul right now. It would be in the case file though. The person we were looking at, based on Yahoo Fula's description of a bitch face, we thought, well, yeah, he kind of has that look that he's describing. And we thought, well, could he have been the driver? And that's where we were going with that. We were trying to go with that. And the driver was described as having light skin. And this this particular black male was a lighter skinned black male that I remember. Okay. Terrence Brown, I mean, he wasn't dark, dark. You know, he was I would say, but he was he was darker. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have called him a light skinned black male. Ditto. But and again, some people say Orlando did. It depends on who you talk to because Orlando Anderson wasn't dark, dark skinned, but some people say he was light skinned. I thought he was kind of medium. I don't know. Everybody has their opinion. I am not saying I'm an expert at any means of this, but. Right. And Yahoo would be more of an expert than you are, you know. In, in well, yeah, he, Yahoo Fula, one, he was streetwise. Right. He'd been around. He knows what he was talking about. I used and to always like say him. if a gang member or something like that told me something about a gun, I'm going to have some confidence in what they're saying because they probably handled them before. They know what they're right. talking about. So in this case, I gave Yahoo Fool a lot of credit for what he was saying that it was that the things that he was saying were seemed to be fairly reliable. He wasn't he saying a lot everything, but he was the things he did come out with, I thought, yeah, you know, I'm gonna give this guy some credit for this. And he said he he didn't know what type of gun it was, but it was black and automatic. Because you asked him yeah, well, and he knew it wasn't a revolver. You know, a lot of people, I've had a lot of people get revolvers and automatics, semi-automatics confused. And, uh, well, we know it was semi-automatic because we had all kinds of brass laying around. Uh, that's just like black. If they call it black, it's blue steel. I had a case once where the guy said the gun was a satin colored revolver. Not nickel, satin. And there's such a thing. Oh, wow. And he was a gang member. And I 
I took him for his word because I'm thinking this guy's probably handled a, gun a lot of guns. And the fact that he said satin, because you didn't hear that. So, and Yafu Fula didn't say that. He, I think he said black. I think he called it black. And usually people call guns black that are actually a blue steel. It's just a dark blue steel, but they call it a black gun. And sadly, I will repeat that Yafu Fula was killed. Yeah. Not very long afterwards. No, not even. And, and, we were trying to get him. We didn't know where he was at. I know that originally we thought he was somewhere in California because everybody in that side of the shooting was from death row. And we just figured they'd all, you know, meandered back over that way to California. And because we didn't know everything about people involved with death row yet, you know, we figured, well, if death row truly was interested in resolving this, the attorney for death row was going to be helpful, which turns out he wasn't. They knew exactly. Well, I can't say I can't put it in black and white that they knew. But as it turned out, Yafufula was in New Jersey, not California. Right. And he was lifelong friends with with Tupac, which yeah, I didn't. Well, he called him, I think he called him his brother that night. I kind of right. got the impression he's not his brother, blood brother, but you know, they were tight. Since they were little kids, yeah. which I didn't, I didn't know until I was researching the podcast because, you know, originally when I did the story, you, you know, you, it wasn't easy to do all the research that you're, you know, 27 years ago, it wasn't possible to do all the research that you're able yeah. to do today. Another comment from, I'll say this isn't even a listener. This is somebody who I was having breakfast with in Palm Beach the day that I read in the newspaper that Tupac had been killed. And he's pushing or wondering about the theory that Keefe was exaggerating his shot caller status, that he was a wannabe gangster. That Keefe was a wannabe gangster? Right. That he he was saying all these things to fluff up himself. Well, I'm sure you could say that. I don't know that I would call him a wannabe gangster, though. From what I understood of him, he was much more than just a wannabe. That was my understanding as well. Yeah, my my what I was told by various sources, be it that side of the coin or law enforcement side of the coin, is that he was a contender within the group. You know, he he had some serious involvement, be it either slinging drugs or whatever. Well, he was busted. I mean, even the time, because as you Well, he was under arrest by the feds for something. I just don't remember what, when we tried to talk to him. Exactly. So, uh, so and he, in his own book, he writes about drug charges. And so it goes beyond... Although, again, he was characterized in the news conference as a shot caller. So I just. Well, bring and that's, you know, he's in the car 
I'm trying to recall everybody that was in the car. But the shot caller is also if, the boss. Yeah, well, and was he the oldest guy in there? He was older than Orlando. I know he was older yeah. than DeAndre. I don't remember Terrence Brown. I, but, and it just falls into play when I talked to Orlando Anderson at Compton that he said he was there with his uncle. Well, who's Keefe D? Right. Yeah, I didn't know it then, but after all this stuff comes out. Now, that floppy disk in which you said you left behind after mm -hmm. you left ho Homicide, that floppy disk in which you basically said they're the folks who done it. It had, how detailed was it? Everybody's name. Everybody you know, we had, we had everybody's photograph. You've got to remember every, those four, and I'm just going by these four names. There were a lot of other people. Right. But we had photo lineups set up with all four of these guys and a bunch of other people in them. But those that floppy disk. In those, well, no, the photo lineup should be in the case file. I mean, that wouldn't be on a floppy disk. That would have been the the lineups put together that we did at the time. And I want to say a lot of them were being were used with California driver's license photos, if I remember right, because that was the easy thing to get. Sure. And they were some of them were probably provided by California agencies. Uh, because I know from the very get-go, Orlando's lineup, and I'm just focusing on Orlando, his photo lineup was shown to a bunch of people. And not a single person picked him out. Didn't even say, uh, maybe. There were no maybes. They were just nothing. Now, were they nothing because they didn't want to say anything? I don't know. I'm just saying that Typically, if someone recognized somebody, they might say, this guy looks familiar, but I'm not sure. And what and, did they say? Well, nobody recognized anybody in the photo lineups. They didn't recognize Orlando. They didn't know. And Keefe D's picture would have been a picture from back then, not what he looks like today. Uh, DeAndre Smith's photo in Terrence Brown's photos. Those would all have been photos taken probably within a couple of years of that date. And who were you showing them to? Uh, potential witnesses. Potential witnesses. Category uh, in terms of from that night? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the girls, the... Uh, well, they would be in the reports. Now, keep in mind, and obviously, that was something we were going to do with Yafu Fula as far as the driver, because we had this particular person that uh, I just don't remember his name. He was in that in one of those photo lineups, too, that we showed, just on the off chance that someone might have recognized him. But you got to remember, the night of the shooting... The only, 
Well, uh, the people that admitted being there that would have been seeing the facial side of these people, though it's, it may be dark in there, would have been Suge Knight, Tupac Shakur, Frank Alexander, Yafu Fula, Katari Cox, and Malcolm Greenidge. Those were the six on the death row side for sure. The girls would have been on the other side. They'd have been looking from the back side at people unless someone turned and faced them. They they weren't they weren't on the driver's side of the white Cadillac. If they were, they'd have been in a line of fire. So there'd have been them and then the people uh the, the four that were in the car. And now we know Yafu Fula was killed. Malcolm Greenidge said from the beginning he didn't know anything. Katari Cox, I just don't recall everything on him. And then Frank. And then, you know, Frank Alexander was having his issues with death row at the time. So there was a lot of difference going on. Some other stuff going on with him with that whole deal. But nobody identified Orlando Anderson. And in fact, it seems to me Orlando Anderson's smug was put on the news once or twice. In fact, during the search warrants in Compton, I think his picture was on there. No one ever called about it saying that's the dude. The only phone call I got about any photo placing any ties to death row was of a Compton policeman in a photo standing over a bunch of evidence. I remember. Yeah, that photo is the newspaper clip is in the file somewhere. Uh, and I've seen it at some point. Yeah, I think he was... I think he was holding a death row medallion, I think. What other, we talked about it before, but I'm just want to circle back. What else can you say about the contents of that floppy, especially in light of what's happened now? How much did it presage? Well, basically it was, there would have been a summary report there would have been other notes from over the course of the deal. Because, uh, you know, reports were typed up. It was, things were different then. You didn't have the digitizing that I guess they have now. They put entire case files on a flash drive or whatever. That's you know, right. I know for a while they were putting them on a CD. And now I'm sure they must be doing flash drives because flash drives hold a lot of data. We weren't, all we had was making copies or that stupid floppy disk we used to put in there. Right. Because I had, I had two of them. I, I had one, it was almost all, there might've been some other stuff, but it was mostly dedicated to phone calls, you know, coming in. And then the, the other one was reports. And I did a summary 
of the overall investigation before I left. Because I knew somebody was going to be inheriting this thing. And it would be because you re, you got to realize the case file is going to be piecemeal. As things happen, they're getting put in there. So the summary report would have been from A to Z from my involvement. Was it inclusive of the quartet? Oh, their names were in there, yes. In that summary. Now, and keep in mind, there was nothing in there that was stone cold hard facts as far as evidence, because if there was, we would have submitted on them. Right. So it was just based on information we'd had and, and, and different stuff. And that's how I, I put them as persons of interest because and there was nothing to say for sure, you know. But as you said before, you and your colleagues, you may have not had enough to go to court, but you were convinced. Yeah. That Oh, yeah. I mean, names were being thrown about for quite a while. But the problem is, can you prove it? When we've said that over time and time again in the, your earlier podcast, I, I can sit here and say, and I've said it in other cases, Mike and I had other cases. We know who did it. And we tried to get them to prosecute it, but they wouldn't because they said there just wasn't enough. And we, it was sort of the same situation that I think came out in this press conference. They said this was their last best shot. Right. Well, we, we had other cases where we thought it's not going to get any better. Let's make a run for it. I mean, the worst case that's going to happen is we're back to square one where we were. But the best case is they find them guilty. I guess the bottom line is some 27 years ago when I, I hear people saying, oh, look, it's this theory and this There's in Orlando is, is this new theory come up, this detective came up with it. And I'm like, no. Uh, they I haven't heard anything new per se in this the latest developments. That's just my opinion. I haven't heard any major new developments or news about anything other than they've had. And, and granted, I haven't heard anything. I don't know everything. I've, I'm not privy to that. I just, I just know what people hear on the news. And I would hope, and because of Cliff Mogg and, and whoever's involved with this, they aren't going to let the cat out of the bag. That's that's not what you do. You know, people can scream. They want everything. I said, I don't give a shit what you want. Uh, my job is to try and prosecute someone. And if that means I'm not going to tell you everything, I'm not going to tell you everything. But if we're going to tell people everything that you have, then you might as well just give it up because it's going to get right back to the people you are working on. As you said, you didn't testify in front of the grand jury. Do you think no. you'll be called for the trial if there is a trial? And again, it should be realized trials are very rare. 
<laughs> statistically. Yeah, but, I don't I don't know. I have no idea what their intentions are. But if 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 summoned you will... by prosecution or defense, <laughs> actually, because you know you can be subpoenaed by the defense too. So why do you think you say that with a laugh? Why do you think it would be potential you would potentially be called by the defense? Well, if and I'm in no big rush to go to court, you know, I'm retired. I but if it'll help the prosecution, I would absolutely do it. But the point is, it would be only for up to a certain point. Well, they've gotten some other stuff now. It would only be leading up to a certain point. And then it'd be whatever they've gotten since then has got them to where they're at now. Did you have a certain sense of, I don't know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, when there did seem to be an acknowledgement of your work and the work of Mike Franks and the work of Kevin Manning at that news conference? Well, I don't know for sure that there was an acknowledgement of that. I know they said something about people in the past, but there's a lot of people in the past. There could have been someone between now and after us. I don't know. You know, man, I'm sure Mike is like I am. We don't care if we get credit for anything. That's not what we did this for. You know, the whole, the only thing we wanted was to successfully prosecute someone on, on any case. That's why when you brought it up earlier about people saying it's finally someone who cares, it says they just don't know what they're talking about. Anything you would like to say in closing that I haven't asked you about? And again, this is 27 years later. No, I just years later. You know, I guess we'll wait and see. I'm sure it'll be in the news somewhere about the arraignment and we'll see what happens there. I I'll be surprised if there's any revelations from it, but because all it is is going to be to me pleading guilty or not guilty. And then you'll wait. They'll they'll probably set a date for a, a court date, and then then you, you just have to wait and see what happens. And I'm sure there's people out there in the journalistic world that'll be writing all that stuff down and doing their homework to try and find more out, including me. Well, you know, that's what you do. I, I don't, I, I understand that, you know, I, I, I wish Cliff Mogg and everybody that's involved in this thing, the best of luck as far as what's ever going to come out of it, because I mean, ultimately they're the ones that got it to this point. I didn't have anything to do with it. And so it goes. Well, Thank you very much. Okay. Next on Lena Nozizway reporting, Tupac's murder was his case. Did you ever think in your wildest dreams or maybe nightmares that it would come to this? Uh, not, I mean, not the way it ended. Well, put it this way, the way it seems to be ending right now, as far as indicting somebody, because 
far as I'm concerned, the other three are gone. They're, they've passed away. And the guy that survived, I would have never expected any of them to make the statements that have apparently been made public. I'm on a nosey's way. The creator and host of Tupac's Murder was this case. Thanks for listening.